0: With the approval, uh, the nomination, and uh, ratification of Mr. Gorsuch to be on the Supreme Court, we're back to nine. And what will the impact be on religious freedom? That's really what we want to know here on Freedom's Ring. Uh, My guest today, my good friend, attorney, constitutional scholar, Professor Nicholas P. Miller from Andrews University. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, Nick.
1: Thank you, Alan. It's always good to be here.
0: So, for starters, um, it was uh, kind of a squeaker, if you will, uh, and the the critics insist that um, the Senate has been irreparably damaged by elimination of the filibuster in this sort of nuclear option. Uh, what's your perspective on uh, the means by which Gorsuch was uh, approved by the Senate?
1: His approval went through, for those listeners not familiar with it, in the Senate, uh, to bring debate to a close, you have to have uh, 60 votes. Uh, 60% of the Senate has to agree. And when the chamber is split, you 48-52 know, as it is now, it means that you have to get some of the opposing party to agree with you. And part of the reason behind this was that it would cause people to appoint um, moderate Judges, rather than extremists, you have to have somebody who a few members of the opposite party would support, uh, whether they be Republicans or Democrats. A few years back, the the Democrats changed the rule uh, under President Obama because Republicans were holding up a lot of lower court appointments and preventing them from going through. So the Democrats changed the rule for all judicial positions except the Supreme Court. Because it was felt the Supreme Court was so important, and it, you know there was a need for ideological balance and moderation, so that was still in place. And indeed, that's what uh, that's what the Republicans have now changed. So you can't blame it all on the Republicans because the Democrats. Did it to all the other judicial positions before right. that. So, well, both, both parties have done this.
0: Both sides have been increasingly obstructionist and just, you know, not wanting to vote on judges, regardless of how qualified they are. And this, I tell you, as a lawyer who needs to have the courts properly staffed in order to get our cases heard, this is a real problem. Um, and as it happens, like here in California. We have a shortage of federal judges because of the unwillingness to approve them. And so we wind up using the magistrate judges who are kind of uh, a step beneath the Article 3 federal judges uh, because it just takes forever to actually get a trial date. And if if you don't get a trial date, you're not going to get your case settled because there's no pressure to to settle if you're never going to get to trial.
1: Well, I think that the Democrats made a mistake here. Um, because Gorsuch uh, certainly is a strong conservative, but he's well within the pale of um, what you might call moderate conservatism. He has tremendous experience. He's a uh, Columbia, Harvard, Oxford graduate uh, clerk for two Supreme Court justices, worked at the Department of Justice, uh, a well-respected judge on the Court of Appeals. So there was really no... Strong reason that he wasn't going to get through, and the problem is is that the Democrats have thrown away uh, their filibuster opportunity on a relatively moderate candidate. And the problem that's being faced is this is it's the next pick that's going to dramatically alter the makeup of the court. and now they've used their lost their cloture vote sixty percent option. On this reasonable candidate, and they will no longer have it in place if the next candidate is a true extremist. Um, so I think they've missed, in their zeal to oppose everything that President Trump does, I think they've really miscalculated and harmed probably the Senate and the court to some degree.
0: Interesting perspective that we don't often hear, but I think uh, persuasive. Well, what about Neil Gorsuch when it comes to religious freedom? Have you um, analyzed his? Record in this regard, what what's your perspective on it?
1: Yeah, I think he's got um, a fairly, again, certainly conservative, but I think he's somewhat more moderate and balanced than than uh, Justice Scalia was. Uh, Many people forget that Justice Scalia was the one who wrote the Smith opinion, essentially undermining the free exercise clause of the First Amendment. And Gorsuch has shown himself to be much more sympathetic. The free exercise claim, um, he wrote to lower court opinion in the Hobby Lobby case, protecting the rights of owners of religious, uh, closely held private businesses uh, to have their consciences protected in the marketplace. So he's certainly an advocate for the free exercise clause and um, protecting religious minorities, and I think he's also uh you know has an appreciation for the establishment clause as well, though we may differ with him at at some point on that
0: well, can you point to anything specific why you think he has some sympathy for the establishment clause
1: well um in the uh the the, the hobby lobby case um, was dealing with a private business um but the reason that I found it acceptable in the Supreme Court was that Kennedy went far out of his way to make it clear that Hobby Lobby wins only because the private interests of the employees were protected. they could continue to obtain um, the um, the contraception that the employer objected to and I don't think that uh, Judge Gorsuch outlined such a um, point in his opinion. So I'm a little concerned that he emphasizes the free exercise clause at the expense of the rights of others and something like the Establishment Clause. So that's really the primary area of concern, even though that wasn't technically an Establishment Clause case.
0: Well, I know that some of our conservative friends are expecting him to uh, vote in this upcoming um, Supreme Court case that will be heard. Uh, it'll be heard after we're recording this radio show, but it will have been heard before our listeners get to hear our discussion. Uh, the Trinity Lutheran case involving the uh, uh, whether a, a church school, a church essentially, can directly receive uh, government funding or resources. And uh, these so called Blaine amendments that many states enacted uh, more than a century ago to have a categorical exclusion from, from churches receiving uh, government funds. Um, and uh, some of the conservatives are, are kind of salivating at the prospects of, of Gorsuch being a vote to um, uh, overturn these Blaine Amendments as somehow unconstitutional. Uh, at least as a general proposition, what is your perspective on the Blaine Amendments?
1: Um, as to what how Gorsuch would view it or how I view it? How,
0: how you view them.
1: Oh, I see, yeah. Well, I think the Blaine Amendments are really an application, if you will, of the Free Exercises Establishment Clause before that clause was applied to the state. Um, it it prevented governments, state governments, from directly funding uh, religious schools, which later on the Supreme Court held to be an Establishment Clause value. But the Blaine Amendments were necessary because, you know, for many decades, the Establishment Federal Establishment Clause wasn't applied to the states. And um, I'm generally sympathetic to that, though in our modern era, it seems that... um, secular humanism has become another form of religion that is imposed in our public schools, and that makes me a bit more open to vouchers than I have been in the past. Um, But vouchers are an indirect form of funding that I'm not sure, depending on the Blaine Amendment, you know, Blaine Amendments prevent direct funding to uh, religious schools and and organizations. So, insofar as a Blaine Amendment would still allow for a voucher, that I, I I might find that acceptable, but I wouldn't want to do away with a blaine amendment in terms of the direct funding
0: well and and I would point out that there is an even better alternative than vouchers and and we have historically opposed vouchers uh here in our organization, the church state council um uh vouchers really do in our view expose schools that receive them cuz the the money goes directly to the school not to the parent even though the parent gets the the voucher uh it exposes schools to direct regulation by the state um Arizona has pioneered a tax credit program where the money really does go to the parents mm-hmm. and um uh in that system you set up uh, an organization to receive the donations for the, the student's tuition. And so not only can the parents contribute and, and get reimbursed through their state taxes, but they can recruit other families, neighbors, friends, other family members uh, who could also get a tax credit. And so ostensibly you could potentially offset the entire amount of tuition if you recruited uh, several families to help support the kid in, uh, in the private religious school. Uh, but that system really does not lend itself to state regulation of the schools, which, of course, is, is a big problem.
1: I think a tax credit is certainly uh, a, a, a safer way of going. Um, but a little bit more complex in some ways, as you 're pointing out, you know, recruiting other people to, uh, to to join the funding um, i don 't know we 'll have to see what Gorsuch has ruled in a couple of other cases involving religious displays, uh, Green versus Haskell County Board of Commissioners involving the display of a Ten commandments in uh, a, a town, and the court ruled that it was an inappropriate display because it supported a particular religious view. He wrote in dissent, and he would have allowed the display, and he challenged the use of the reasonable observer test, and he's made similar arguments in a Utah case involving a a large white cross at a public uh, property near the the death of of some troopers killed in the line of duty. Um, So it seems like he may push back on on Establishment Clause standards to some degree.
0: Well, this will be very, very interesting to watch. Um, There are many within the Christian community who have been propagandized to believe that the Establishment Clause, or the phrase used to describe it, the separation of church and state, is somehow hostile to religious freedom. Uh, Of course, we take the position historically, It's this is a Protestant value, and uh, we don't want the state regulating the church and its institutions. We want a healthy separation of church and state. We want a healthy establishment clause. Um, I know you would agree with that.
1: Here, here, absolutely.
0: Okay. Well, we've been discussing the potential impact of our newest Supreme Court justice, Neil Gorsuch, on uh, the future of religious freedom on the Supreme Court. And our guest today, uh, my good friend Attorney and Professor Nicholas Miller from Andrews University. Nick, a pleasure as always to have you on Freedom's Ring.
1: Thank you, Alan. Blessings to you.
0: And as we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help folks who suffer religious discrimination, especially in the workplace. Please do check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org, churchstate.org. Freedom's Ring is now available on SoundCloud. It's also on your iTunes library, so check us out. Freedom is not free, folks. Be informed. Get involved. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, friends, let freedom ring.